This is episode 121 of IDRA Class Notes. Now that No Child Left Behind has been enacted and there's this focus on teacher quality, we see more literature coming back to how can teachers as leaders of students, not just as robotic machines, but as leaders thinking about the whole child, how can they lead students so that they can reach the highest achievement possible? Well, I want to welcome everyone to our podcast this afternoon and to what I think is going to be an interesting topic. We're talking about building levels of leadership for ELL success. And I have with me today Kristen Grayson, who is a member of the Intercultural Development Research Association staff, soon to be Dr. Kristen Grayson. And I want to just thank you in advance for what I know is going to be a very successful defense. Let me start off by... Kristen, just uh, thanking you for being here this afternoon and taking time out of your busy schedule to be here. You're welcome, Dr. Scott. I, I always enjoy talking on these subjects because I'm so passionate about the work we do here at IDRA and and the work we do together collaboratively in the field. Absolutely. So I have a, a million questions. I've tried to distill them down to a few, one of which, just to get started, I do want to first of all talk about what this notion of building levels of leadership for uh, ELL success is all about. Well, I'm working right now with both Tulsa and Oklahoma City schools in terms of building their strategic plans so they are prepared at all levels to support ELLs for student success. ELLs being? English language learners. Just in case. Mm -hmm. And so when I talk about leadership at different levels, I'm talking about central office administration and departmental level staff being on board, being well-versed and knowledgeable and up-to-date in what the latest skills and practices should be building administrator capacity at the building levels of leadership. And then importantly for the students is this notion of teacher classroom leadership because teachers are the ones that really touch students' lives on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. Other people may make important decisions and relevant policy decisions, purchase the textbooks, but the teachers are the ones that get to know the students and, and really have the potential to lead them towards the success we want them to achieve. That makes a lot of sense. This whole notion of teacher leadership itself, I, I know that that's a part of your own doctoral focus. What is important about that since, say, 2000? What have you been noticing? Well, I've noticed, as I did my literature review for the dissertation, I noticed that teacher leadership at a classroom level was a large part of the literature in the 1970s and the early 80s. And after that, the literature changed in leadership and education to administrators leading teachers and then teachers leading their peer teachers. And then now that No Child Left Behind has been enacted and there's this focus on teacher quality, we see more literature coming back to how can teachers as leaders of students, not just 
as robotic machines, but as leaders thinking about the whole child, how can they lead students so that they can reach the highest achievement possible? Very impressive. So, Kristen, tell me, uh, what are some of the similarities you see uh, with the two districts that you're that you're dealing with in Oklahoma? Well, both Tulsa and Oklahoma City are metropolitan areas that have very diverse populations, and in fact, it surprises many people to find out that they are as diverse as they are. Oklahoma City, now in the public school district, one out of four students is limited English proficient. So that has grown. ELL. So it's a growing population, and the demographics have changed tremendously in the last 30 years. Tulsa is in in a similar situation, one out of four. For Oklahoma City, I meant to say one out of three. Mm -hmm. So they're both very diverse populations. Latinos are a large percentage of the English learners in both of these districts. We can't exclude that there are other groups. Other language groups? Other language groups. Both of those districts, and it would surprise many people to know because they think these are just cities out there on the prairie, the land of wind and snow and ice and and both of these districts have over 60 languages represented in their student population. That's surprising. That really is surprising. So tell me something about the activities you have going on that builds this leadership at various levels to support students whose first language may not be English to also reach the high standards, college-going, world-class competency and efficacy, all these things that are being talked about through the Department of Education under not only the flexibility waivers, but the Common Core standards, uh, the race to the top activity that's going on. You know, those standards are set up for all kids, regardless of their different characteristics. So what does your work look like then to help uh, leaders at all levels understand this, increase their knowledge around this, and their capacity to respond appropriately to this? Well, I'm working directly with departmental leaders in both of these districts in terms of their strategic planning and in terms of making sure that the whole area is addressed in terms of students, in terms of curriculum, in terms of staffing for their own office, in terms of staffing for schools, in terms of their influence in the central office, in terms of helping others that make educational decisions understand the knowledge base that's out there and what needs to be done to have effective instruction going on. So the technical assistance is being given to leaders of the English language learner departments. However, in tandem with them, we're also working on ways that the teachers that teach the students can be more knowledgeable and more skillful. As and the, raise their capacity. And raise their capacity mm-hmm. so that they can help the students more effectively. One of the things we're about to do, we're considering the possibility through one of the districts of taking what we've created for Texas, a test preparation program that's online, and making the changes necessary to fit the standards that are in place at the state level in Oklahoma so that teachers can, through an online learning community, prepare themselves to get certified in ESL. Now, this online program 
differs from many other online programs in that most test preparation programs you can find online are drill and kill. They're practice question and answers, see if you can get this right or that definition right. However, our online program takes it back several notches because we know that there's many people, good-hearted people that are in the field that because of the way the systems have worked, they're in positions to help these students, yet they don't have the academic knowledge and the academic skills that and theoretical skills and knowledge necessary to back up what they actually do on a day-to-day basis. So our online learning system takes them into a, a module where they actually learn the knowledge they need. And then they practice that knowledge so they have the skills before they even begin the test preparation practice itself. That sounds great. And this online course is something that also provides technical assistance in terms of coaching and mentoring of any sort for these teachers? Well, it can. It can be set up in different ways. And so they all depend a lot upon how the different districts use it. And how they implement it. And how they implement it. Okay. Kristen, would you talk a little bit more about not only the course itself, but what you're hoping to see teachers develop in terms of not only knowledge, but what kind of increased capacities, skills, and competencies do you envision them acquiring as a result of their engagement, either with this course or with other technical assistance that an organization like ours would provide? Well, through this course, of course, we hope that their background knowledge and their practical skills in the classroom or in helping lead teachers that are in the classroom will help bring it up to standard and and also look at the strategic plan over the years as the populations continue to shift so that the districts are ready to provide the quality instruction that English learners will need. The technical assistance is to build their own capacity for success so that they can turn around and help others develop capacity for building English learners. We don't want to be there continuously. We want them to be knowledgeable and efficacious and and able to implement the programs that are necessary as they see as their local area changes demographics so that all stakeholders are prepared for the needs of the community. And to continue to grow and to change as the community grows and changes exactly. as well. Exactly. That makes exactly. a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So I know our time is just rushing, Kristen. I really want to ask you about 40,000 other questions. Let me distill it down to two of them. One of which is, what do you envision as a TA provider, a technical assistance provider, what do you envision should be the growth outcome uh, that teachers, for instance, uh, should gain from your involvement with them, or leaders, administrative leaders, should gain as a result of your working with them? I would envision that they have a more comprehensive view of what needs to be done now and in the future and ways that they can empower themselves and others to make the necessary changes happen. That's great. And then my second question is, given all that you have been talking about, what are three big items you would want folks to walk away from this podcast remembering 
knowing and understanding in a way that it would make sense for what they do? Well, I would want them to remember these three takeaways. Number one is that leadership happens at many levels, and everyone has the possibility of being a leader. Number two is that demographics are changing, and each locale has to be sensitive and respond to these changing demographics. And number three is that online learning can happen in different ways and for different purposes, and that the online course that we offer starts at the knowledge level through the practical application level. It's not just based on test preparation. You know, Chris, that's just great to hear you say that. There is just so much that needs to be done around this population of students. We know that there are uh, scores, their academic outcomes, their achievement levels are not nearly as high as we would want them to be in this global world that we live in, uh, this highly charged world that we live in. And getting all teachers, core content teachers, other teachers, really prepared to properly serve this population of students sounds like great, great work. It's very necessary. Uh, that's clear. It's very necessary. But to see this population of students achieve and excel at the same high levels as their counterparts is something I think that is a worthy goal for us to be reaching out and trying to achieve, and not only for our benefit, but certainly for their benefit and to allow them to be able to be prepared to be in this brave new world that we see growing up around us. What do you think about that? Well, as I told someone else, the English learner is, is becoming our mainstream student. So you're exactly right. Everyone has to be prepared. Mainstream teachers, content teachers, all leaders need to be prepared to help English learners succeed. Kristen, I really want to thank you for your time this afternoon. You must promise me that we're going to get together again and continue this conversation. There are some particulars I want to ask you about in terms of how classrooms need to be structured, how programs need to be structured, and how parents need to be engaged in this process and have a voice and a hand in it as well. So there are some other areas we haven't had a chance to cover that we need to do a lot more talking about. But I want to thank you for being with me this afternoon and taking time out of your busy schedule to help us out. And I hope that our listeners will uh, feel free to listen to this conversation again, download it as they need to, and certainly visit us online to see the wealth of materials that we have in this area of focus. Thank you, Kristen, for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.